What's up? It's your girl, Courtney Hustle from Q106.5. I'm so excited to present Be Fearless, a series about women building in business. Nearly eight in 10 of women-owned businesses launched in the last nine years were started by a woman of color. Shout out to us for the black girl magic. We teamed up with a group of dynamic women to tell the story of how they chose to be fearless. I am Savisha Wilson, and I choose to be fearless. Welcome to the Be Fearless podcast. I am your host, Courtney Hustle. And of course, joining me today, is Savitra Wilson. We have so many wonderful things that we can talk about when we mention Savitra, but one thing that I want to shout out most recently is her venture into tech developer with Exempt Me Now. Um, as we speak and as we're on the phone, she actually is preparing to travel to New York to pitch to some venture capitalists. Now we know that women are known to not excel in these categories, but Savitra has chosen to be fearless and dive in anyway. So it's perfect platform for us to talk about things like this. So Savitra, welcome to the Beef Fearless Podcast. Hi, I'm happy to be on, happy to talk more about Exit Me Now and what we're doing with our tech startup. Absolutely. So the first thing that I definitely want to talk about is lessons that come to us through every stage of our lives. Exempt Me Now is not your first business, but you chose to kind of dive into something new and something that honestly is poised against you. And I mean, that's just being transparent because we all know the stats about it. So you automatically chose to be fearless. Let's talk about why you started it and why you decided to defy the odds. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people ask me, why would I even take the time or take the leap into starting Zip Me Now? Um, as anyone knows who has started a company, it's hard. It's hard. You know, you spend years trying to uh, really build up your company. You spend years trying to capture the right clients and uh, really maneuver in a way where you can be successful and thrive. And so for me to take a step back and decide to do it again was definitely a major decision, but one I felt would yield 10 times greater results than my previous company. Um, I felt that although I had started a communications and management firm, that there was a, somewhat of a ceiling there at some point when we were doing professional services. So I knew that technology was the wave of the future. I knew that either you were going to create something disruptive or you're going to be disrupted by someone else creating. And so I wanted to be on the side of the disruptor. And that is essentially why I created Exempt Me Now. Felt like we had a good idea. It was the right time. So I just took the leap to do it. So let's talk about being not only a woman in the tech world, but a black woman in the tech world. What are some of the obstacles that you faced and how do you continue to overcome them every day? Yeah, so it there are absolutely a ton of obstacles being a black female founder in the tech space. Um, I think one of the biggest hurdles is the hurdle to actually raising capital for your concept and your ideas. I think that is something that you can hear no matter what city you're in, no matter what state you're in, no matter what part of the world you're in, black women have difficulty raising money for their venture. So much so that we raise 0.03% of all capital raised for venture capital. So basically nothing. (laughs) And so much so that the average African-American woman only raises about $30,000 for her tech startup venture, whereas you have white men, white women, and and Asian men who are raising millions and billions of dollars. Um, I read an article recently where only the 16th and 17th um, black female just raised a million dollars or more for their tech venture ever. And that is insane. 
You know, how how do you find your backup and your support in being in a space like that? Like, what do you do to keep yourself motivated? Um, you know, I think that one big key thing is finding people who are your allies, uh, being able to build off the network you have, and then really expanding. Uh, being in Louisiana, um, you know, we don't have a huge, vibrant tech space like in Austin or in Silicon Valley or even New York. So you have to kind of create that space and be a part of the others in the space who are actually doing it. Um, And so definitely leaning on others for support and then also just being a sponge of knowledge and trying to absorb everything uh, around you. And, you know, it's really big in technology to uh, reach across other cities and talk to others who are already in the space and are already doing it, uh, who can give you sound advice. Absolutely. So, you know, for people who think about tech and they're like, I mean, that's not really my thing or that's not for me. In 2017 and going forward, the tech space surrounds us completely. So for you, you started your business, your original business in building nonprofits and building different businesses who had roots in the nonprofit world. What made you decide to move into the tech space and how did the idea spark to say, I can be my own solution? Yes. So, you know, as Solid Ground Innovations, my first company started growing, we started moving in different directions. And so we were no longer really servicing startup nonprofits. And just doing so was very hard. Um, It was very time consuming, consuming, very manual, very um, paper driven. So it was a lot that we were doing. And so I felt that if we were going to continue to do the service, we needed to evolve it. Uh, in a way that we could significantly reduce the time, we could significantly reduce the touches we were experiencing with clients and still deliver a superior service. Um, And then we need to take technology and drive it even further to be able to reach people all across the country. And so that was really the kind of the thinking behind um, how to evolve something that we were already doing and infuse technology into it to take it to a whole nother level. And now all of this is coming from a lady from little old Hammond, Louisiana. I know. (laughs) (laughs) So don't get it twisted, people. As you're listening, don't think to yourself like, man, you know, this sounds so great and inspiring, but this could never be me. So let's take it back to Hammond, Louisiana days, LSU days. Of course, you Mm -hmm. know, you and I met mutually at Fat Church when we were just girls with dreams. Let's take Take it back there for a second. How did you start to take steps to actualize your dreams? So, you know, for me, I think that one advantage to never really having um, people around you coming from Hammond that um, you came up around who were doing any of this, you really create and set your own bar, right? And so the sky's the limit. And for me, coming to LSU, this is not what I thought I was going to be doing at all. And just going through meeting people, being inspired by people um, to create my own thing, right? I think that was something that I was inspired to do very early on. Um, And you know very well, so would be now. And so I was 1920 at that time when I was thinking about creating Be Now and trying to connect people with it. So I always knew I wanted to create something um, of my own, very entrepreneurial uh, in my background in general. But I think that it was more so done through trial and error and just really not giving up. Um, I always feel that a lot of particularly black founders and black CEOs who are really trying to get off the ground, we think that something's wrong with us. Maybe we're not smart enough. Maybe we're not doing the right things. 
Uh, maybe we're not capable enough, but really we just not, we're not resourced enough. And mm. so one big thing for me is trying to find the resources because I've been at too many tables that we're just not at, and that's why we can't ever get ahead because we're never at the table. And so really being very mindful about what tables I needed to be at and really pushing to be there so that I can get the resources that other people get and uh, which allows them to be successful. Absolutely. And, you know, we talk about being at the table. Let's sit down and talk about being at the table with other women. Um, You and I have been friends for a very long time and we have threw each other bones and clients and conversations and friends all the time. But people feel people feel like they cannot do that. They feel like they cannot share with women. Can you share some insight on that? And then how how do you continue to be an example of the complete opposite. Yes. So, you know, I think that in general, um, they try to box people in, or particularly black people into this box, like this crabs in a barrel type mentality. And I always like the the concept of crabs in the barrel because it really doesn't make sense when you think about it. I feel that um, how society has moved in many ways against black people has created this space where it feels like we're crabs in a, in, a bar- in a bucket or a barrel trying to get out and only one person can get out, right? And so you're always climbing on the next craft and they're getting pushed down because you're just worried about getting out. You don't care about anybody around you. But what people don't real- realize is that the bucket is not even the natural habitat of where crabs are supposed to be. And so we should be pushing against the bucket to knock you down so we can all be able to swim freely. And instead of us pushing against it together, we try to go up and push everybody else down. And I think that's the mentality that we really have to get out of. Whereas if we work together, we can build more, we can grow more, we can really move as a unit to have more because that's what everybody else is doing. Right. So with that, you know, as we continue to work through life every day, the going gets tough and we all get tired. You know, there's so many lessons in our stages of life, like during the stage where you wanted to throw in the towel and give up, you were done. What are some of the standout lessons that you kind of learned from it? Yeah. You know, I think that just going through things and going through trials, it brings about just understanding um, that sometimes you have to just go straight through it. Like there's no way around it. You know, you have to just go straight through all the mess, all the setbacks to get to the other side. I think that a lot of times when we are met um, with whether that's being indecisive or whether that is struggle or whether that are, are setbacks that we feel are so compounded that we can't break through it, we have to just really have a mentality that we can just pick the pieces back up and continue to move forward. Um, I think that that's easier said than done, even for myself. I think that there's always, 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 always a challenge. Um, and I think that that challenge is compounded just by being African-American, just by being um, a woman. But I think that's another reason that goes back to your other question, why we have to kind of stick together and reach out to each other, because we oftentimes forget that people that look just like us are going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, When we talk about struggle and doing different things, what are some of the biggest sacrifices that you've made in starting or running your business? Man, everything. (laughs) You sacrifice time. You know, I'm a big person that really values other people's time as well as values what other people cost. 
And so I spent a lot of my own money really trying to get my thing going, uh, really investing in myself when I could have, you know, spent that money traveling or spent that money wherever else. Uh, but I think that for me, sacrifice as far as wanting to focus on what I'm doing, regardless of what that means in the short term, because um, I'm so focused on what can happen down the road, is something that we don't really think about um, objectively, whereas we feel like, oh, we can't give something up, we can't give up something. But it's all about sacrifice uh, as an entrepreneur, regardless of what you're doing. Um, and if you feel like you're missing out, if you feel like you're losing something, then you're probably doing it right. Absolutely. That that's that's the key right there. I know that feeling oh so well. Do you think that business ownership is attainable for everyone? And if so, why? You know, I think it is. I was at a, a Black Enterprise conference um, last week. And so you had on one angle people talking about we have to diversify the workplace. We have to ensure that these corporations are hiring black people and we have to move the needle forward. And then you had other people on the panel saying we need to create our own companies. We need to hire our own people and we need to do it this other way. And mm-hmm. so I think that the universe is so large, I'll say that it's enough space for us to create um, businesses. But there's also space for us to invest in other people's businesses and let them create something you benefit from it on, on the back end. Right. And so I'm not actually a person that said everybody's a creative business. My brother, who is pretty doing pretty well as an engineer, he doesn't, that's not what he does. Mm-hmm. He leaves up everybody else. But I can tell you, his stock portfolio, he owns a lot of companies. Right. That he'll never have to walk into any day. Any time of the day. Right. You know what? I think that's key. That's so key because (laughs) you just brought out a different level of business ownership, not business ownership in the entrepreneur and like active space. But now we're talking investments. And for a person like you, Mm -hmm. if we had more African-American millionaires, billionaires, because there are a ton out there that were making investments in these solid ideas, it opens up a whole new level of of growth. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. We have to definitely invest in each other. Like, you don't have to be the CEO of a company. There's plenty of people out here um, who don't own the company who make money from companies every single day. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, one of my last questions that I have for you is talking about entrepreneurship and your journey to get there. How do you go from a thought to actually making it happen? So, you know, I tell people, and actually, I'm going to use a quote from Oprah that I always use. And um, so she talks about being focused or getting still and focusing on making the next best move. And so that's something that I think about when I have an idea, because sometimes we have ideas, we want to just do them. But sometimes it's not the best idea to make a move on. And so I always think back to what she said, and I think she was speaking at Harvard or somewhere, and she said sometimes you have to just become really still and think about making the next best move, and then after that could make the next best move and the next best move. And I think that's what we have to kind of be in the mindset to say, you know, what are the pros and cons of this idea? You know, if your pros outweigh your cons as far as what you have going on, then move forward on it. If you feel that eventually your pros can outweigh your cons and it's something that you're just really passionate about that you can't sleep at night because ideas taking over everything that surrounds you, then you need to move forward with it. And so for me, I think it's also about 
doing the research, ensuring that what you have is a viable idea, even if it doesn't come to fruition or it doesn't pan out. I think doing the background work and doing the legwork to try to get it there is very important because it doesn't happen overnight. I think that people think that, oh, I have ideas three months down the road, six months down the road. Oh, it's not taking off. You know, it's not working for me. You know, we've been working on Exit Me Now for two years. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, you like, oh, when, when did you guys start this? Like, I'm just hearing about it. But we've been actually working on it. I've been investing my own money and my own time in it in the background for the past two years. Right. And so now I feel like it's time and it's our time and it's time to hit the go button. Absolutely. You know, I totally feel that. And I think that's one thing, too. One of the criteria for um, women that we talked to on this was that they actually had a business that grossed over $100,000 a year. And I had to mm-hmm. do that. It was hard for me to do that, though, because I know so many great women who have businesses. But I knew that I had to do it because it was time to level up. And we want to set the bar yeah. and the standard of excellence. And you just said it. Sometimes it takes working on an idea for years. The things that actually mm-hmm. work out have a large differentiation of these fly-by-night pop-up ideas. You have to pop up a few times in order for you to know, you know what, let me sit on this and mature it silently to make it something. So I definitely applaud you um, for that. You've just tuned in to the Be Fearless podcast brought to you by Be Baton Rouge, a digital platform for the urban contemporaries in the city of Baton Rouge. For more, head to BeBatonRouge.com. It's your girl, Courtney Hustle. I cannot wait to introduce you to our next Be Fearless speaker, but you have to stay tuned in and check us out tomorrow. Peace.